Good morning on the Lord's Day. It is good to see some of y'all smiling and grinning, and, and we're just happy to be together. As we've said several times throughout this process, we're the Lord's people and we're going to meet on the Lord's Day until the Lord returns. And that's no different today. We may look a little different and hopefully that can change soon, but for right now, we're thankful to be here. Our, our worship uh, thought this morning will come from Psalm 34. Psalm 34, the first 10 verses. We will make a few comments and then try to include some of those thoughts in our prayer together. Psalm 34, verses 1 through 10. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger. But those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. We have much to be thankful for. Many words that we could, we could emphasize in there, but let's, let's look at just a few. I will bless the Lord. Certainly we can do that any day of the week, but we're going to do that together. I can praise him. I can boast in the Lord. But ever, may I ever be humble As we think about our assembly this morning in verse 3, let us magnify his name together. And the word exalt is in there as well. May may it be that which is magnified and exalted and, and lifting up his name. May we ever seek him. He has delivered us and has supplied our every need. And in verse 9, fear the Lord, you his saints. We certainly we do that every day, but especially as we come together. Verse 10 is, is something we can be thankful for as well. Those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Psalm thirty-seven twenty-five. I was young and now I'm old, and never have I seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. May we ever remember those kind of blessings but especially those, the physical ones, excuse me, the spiritual ones that, that we can have, that we have as his people, as his saints, and magnify him as we worship him together. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, it's wonderful to be here today. What a beautiful Lord's Day you've given us. We're thankful, Father, for the, for the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. Father, for the hope that we have in him and in his resurrection. 
Thank you, Father, that we can gather here today. May we bless your name. May we boast, Father, in you. Magnify you together as we meet together as your saints. Thank you for for supplying, Father, every physical and spiritual need that we have in this earth. May we ever be mindful of your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all sing together and especially pay attention to the second verse of this song. We don't sing this very often in church. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the graves of wrath are stored. He hath loosed the faithful lightning of his terrible sweet sword. His truth is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. His truth is marching on. In the beauty of the lilies, Christ was born across the sea with a glory in his bosom that transfigures you and me. As he died to make men holy, let us live to make men free while God is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. While God is marching on. To prepare ourselves for gathering around the table and remembering our Savior Jesus and his great sacrifice, we'll be uh, singing a couple of verses from the old rugged cross. And once again, pay attention to that second verse in particular. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown in that old rugged cross 
Stained with blood so divine, a wondrous beauty I see. For twas on that old cross Jesus suffered and died to pardon and sanctify me. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross Till my trophies at last I lay down I will cling to the old rugged cross And exchange it someday for a crown. The Lord's Supper on the Lord's Day taken by the Lord's people until the Lord returns. This is the will of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Sometimes the weight of a passage far exceeds its actual length. Sometimes the weight of a passage of God's Word far exceeds the actual amount of words that it's given by way of treatment. Turn in your Bible to Luke 22. In Luke chapter 22, let's read together verses 39 through 46. Luke 22, 39 through 46. And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you enter not into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done." And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, Why are you sleeping Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The parallel for this, Jesus at Gethsemane. Gethsemane literally means olive press. And just as the olives would be pressed for their oil, so Jesus is dealing with pressure and stress in the garden. He's under a lot of pressure from what we can see. 
All four accounts mention this, but none in great detail. Matthew 26, 36 through 46, Mark 14, 32 through 42, John 18, just a passing reference. Here's what I want you to think about as we meditate on the Lord's Supper. When Jesus awoke on Thursday morning, he never went to sleep again until he died. So he's been up for some time. It's late Thursday evening, early Friday, it seems. The Garden of Gethsemane is the last time Jesus has with the apostles. Prior to his arrest and trial and crucifixion. The text speaks of Jesus praying. The last memory that the apostles would have of Jesus before he was taken away to be crucified would be Jesus praying. How fitting. When you think about the emotion of the moment, Luke, in the passage we just read, says that the disciples were overcome with sorrow. I think there's many here that can relate to that, that you've been, you're so heavy burdened, you're just exhausted, you're spent. They were. But think about the text in Matthew 26, 38, where Jesus says, my, so- my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. There are some very good Bible students that think that Jesus, as he was contemplating the cross, as he thought about the cup of suffering, the very thought of it was so great that it almost killed him. Therefore, the need for the angel to come and strengthen him. I don't know if that's true or not, but I can tell from the words of our Lord, that there is great agony as he contemplates suffering. But what I want you to notice is this. From Gethsemane on, from Gethsemane on, our Lord faces the death on the cross as a sheep led to the shearers. If it is possible, let this cup pass. Not my will, but yours be done. Only by not saving himself could he save us. And only by losing ourselves in him can we find life. At this time, if you would get the bread, let's offer thanks. Is there anyone who needs Lord's Supper supplies? If you do, please raise your hand and one of our deacons will make sure you're taken care of. Anyone?
Let's all pray together. Our God in heaven, we cannot fathom all the thoughts that must have been going through Christ's life and Christ's mind in the Garden of Gethsemane. Knowing that He had come to do Your will and to save us, and yet the thought of bearing all the sins of all humanity the thought of going to that cross on our behalf. God, we're so thankful that Jesus can relate to us. He knows what it's like to sorrow and grieve and hurt. He is a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And yet He also is one who knows joy. He truly took in the human experience in every way, except He was without sin. And God, as we partake of this bread that represents His body, we are mindful of the fact that He came to earth And that He came to earth and that He went to the cross because He loved us so. As we partake, help us to be prayerful. May it be an intensely emotional time for us too. And while we express that in different ways individually... May none of us, may none of us forget to praise you and thank you for what has been done on our behalf. In Christ's name, amen. A beautiful old hymn says, See from his head, his hands, his feet. Sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet? Or thorns compose so rich a crown?
The cup was a cup of suffering. The cup involved the shedding of His blood. Our hope rests on the blood of Jesus. Our cleansing, our assurance, our being part of the church, the body of Christ, all of that rests on the blood of Jesus. And as we partake of the cup that represents His blood, let's go back to the words of another hymn. I gave my life for thee, my precious blood I shed, that thou mightst ransom be and quicken from the dead. I gave, I gave my life for thee, what hast thou given to me? It's a time to think, to pray, to praise and to appreciate the great gift of the Son of God. Please pray with me. God, we realize as we look to your word over and over again that the blood of bulls and goats could not take away sin. We realize as we look to your word over and over That without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. We realize the life is in the blood. And Father, the blood of Jesus purchased the church. The blood of Jesus cleanses each one who is a member. The blood of Jesus gives us assurance and hope. Father, we partake of this now the fruit of the vine, looking back to the cross where Jesus shed His blood, looking at the present and the assurance that we have that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from our sins as we repent as Your people. And we look so joyfully to the future We look forward to eternity and a time when there will be no sin, no sorrow, no heartache. Because of Jesus, we overcome the world. God, be with us as we partake. In Christ's name, amen. If you would please discard of your Lord's Supper materials, put them in a Ziploc. Jeff.
Let's all sing, Sweeter Than All. Christ will me his aid afford, never to fall, never to fall, while I find my precious Lord, sweeter than all, sweeter than all. Jesus is now and ever will be, sweeter than all the world to me. Since I heard his loving call, sweeter than all, sweeter than all. Though a vessel I may be, broken and small, broken and small, yet his blessings fall on me, sweeter than all, sweeter than all. Jesus is now and ever will be sweeter than all the world to me. Since I heard his loving call, sweeter than all, sweeter than all. I know I've got it. But what do I do with it? I know I've got it, but what do I do with it? Stress is something we all seem to have, but what do we do with it? It is something we all have in common, and the way we handle it, God has prescribed exactly what to do. And so today, uh, Brother Mike and I are going to examine with us, with you, seven different principles of how to handle God's way to handle and manage stress. The fact that we have it is not a secret. I was looking at different causes for stress, and I looked at several different surveys that friends and neighbors of ours have taken and compiled this list, and this may not be your list, but this is a list that many of your neighbors are going to have in mind. What, what causes me stress? Well, death of a loved one, number one. It seemed to be across the board. Death of a loved one can cause great amount of stress. There's no denying it. We know it's true. Number two, separation or divorce followed closely by getting married. So whether you're on one end of the spectrum or the other, uh, that can cause a great deal of stress. And the church is not immune from number two as much as we'd like to think we are. We're not, and you know that. We have these issues that cause us stress in life. You continue through the list, and you know that these things are true. You start a new job, that's a stressful situation. You have a downturn in the economy, like we're experiencing here in West Texas, and that's going to cause stress, and you're going to have stressors at work. Whether you're in fear of losing your job or not, you work with people, and you work for people, and you're going to have stress involved in those relationships and in those situations. You're going to have financial problems from time to time, and they cause great amount of stress to people in this country and other parts of the world. How about, uh, I see Brother Cody sitting back there this morning. How about moving? How about packing up all of your belongings and moving across the country? You think that's not a time of stress? Well, just ask Brother Cody, and I think he'd tell you, Sister Katie. Those are stressful situations. We have all of these health issues, and whether it's you or somebody you love, these are stressful situations. Retirement? How about it? Many of you have been there, done that. Some of you are facing it. 
that transition in your life where you're facing retirement and, and things are about to be different. And I think if I had put the list together, I would have forgotten number 10. And I'm afraid that sometimes we forget number 10. And many of us, we're, we're, we're way past that transition made into adulthood, but some of you have children and grandchildren who are facing it. And we need to be reminded that no matter what age you find yourself, even as a teenager, you find stress. Now, as a parent, I, I think about this, and the things that, that my children find to be very important, and the things that cause them stress, I know that it won't be long, and they'll see that's not such a big deal. But right now it is a big deal, and it's causing them stress. How do we handle it? How do we manage it? Well, God provides the solution, and this morning... Again, Brother Mike and I are going to look at seven, seven principles that we need to have in place for handling and managing stress, something we all have and face. Uh, what do we deal with? How do we deal with it? Number one, in times of stress, we need to consider how those times might help us to be more like Jesus. And when's the last time you faced a stressful situation and you said, God, I thank you for that? Because this is an opportunity for me to be more like Jesus. And wouldn't we do well if we really thought about stress in this way? Now think about it. Here is Jesus. He is God incarnate. He is God in human form. And He comes and He lives a perfect life. And we're not denying it in any way that He lived a perfect life. But does a perfect life mean that it was a life without stress? I think far from it, don't you? Far from it. Jesus lived a life that involved stress. We just looked at Luke chapter 22, right? In verse 44, which tells us that he was in agony, sweating as it were, great drops of blood. Is that a picture of stress? Well, if it's not, I don't know what it is. A time of great stress. Our Lord dealt with stress, and he teaches us in doing that exactly how we can deal with stress in our lives. We need to understand this and, and get this point. Stress causes us or should help us to be more and more like Jesus. I want you to open your Bibles briefly to Acts chapter 5. And I want you to be reminded that in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John had been arrested for healing a lame man. They had been threatened and told, don't you ever preach in the name of Jesus again. And then you get over to Acts chapter 5, and of course they were released, and they went right back to preaching about Jesus, and they were arrested a second time in Acts chapter 5. This arrest is going to lead to their being beaten and threatened again not to preach in the name of Jesus. But I want you to notice their response, and I wish this would be my response as I deal with stress and I think about Jesus and wanting to be more like Him. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 40, the Bible says, And they agreed with Him... And when they called for the apostles and had beaten them, they commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. The response of these apostles is the response that I would want in my life as I deal with stressful situations and what I would encourage us to do is we face stressful situations. In the end, the apostles looked at Jesus and they said, Thank you for counting us worthy to suffer for your name. You think that wasn't a stressful situation in the lives of Peter and John? 
And all they did was they looked at Jesus and they said, Thank you for letting us suffer for your name. And we need to look at stress in our lives as an opportunity for us to be more like Jesus. And I think if we would approach stress with that kind of attitude, it might help us as we go on through our lives. Brother Mike. Man born of woman is but a few days and full of trouble. Amen? Full of trouble. It seems to me that trouble and stress are simply part of the human experience. We may not like it, but that doesn't change it as being part of the human experience. However, how we handle stress may make us distinct indeed. God's way of handling stress. Adam has dealt with a great thought to ask ourselves, how can this make us more like Jesus? But I want to take it and turn it around in the second point. Make sure you go to God with your stresses. Make sure to take time to be with God. You know, when we're stressed out and we are so upset and worried and burdened, we may not feel like going to God sometimes. But the longer you wait to go to God, the bigger your stresses and problems and troubles will seem. We need to go to God to take time to make time to go to God. In Mark 6.31, Jesus said to come apart, to come apart for a while. We all need times when we simply come apart for a while or we'll fall apart. Psalm 46 verse 10, be still and know that I am God. So much stress, so much anxiety, so many burdens. Take time to be with God. Now open your Bible to 1 Timothy 4 verses 7 and 8. I want to make an observation from this passage. 1 Timothy 4 verses 7 and 8. And then I want to focus briefly on three words as we think about making sure that we take time with God. Here is the first of the three words, but the statement I want to focus on in 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8 is exercise yourself, discipline yourself to godliness. This really ties this main point in with what Adam just talked about. How can more of Jesus be seen in me? The purpose, that's the first of three words. My purpose in wanting time with God is to exercise or discipline myself to be more like Jesus. Exercise yourself to godliness. That's the purpose. It's not how many debates we'll win or how many religious arguments we can win. 
It's not how smart we are on knowing where everything might be in the Bible. What we're talking about here is we spend time with God to become more like Jesus, to become more godly. That's what it's about. The second word that I want you to think about with me here is if you are going to make sure that you take time to be with God, the purpose needs to be right. I want to be more like His Son. I love Him. Quality is the second word. In taking time to be with the Lord, quality. Quality is to be emphasized more than quantity. In other words, three hours is great, but 30 minutes that's really solid and uninterrupted may well be better than three hours. Isn't that true with God? Third word, variety. When it comes to being with the Lord, do so in a variety of ways. Sometimes you're praying, you're doing a lot of talking. Sometimes you may shut your mouth and say, Lord, I'm listening. Quiet. Sometimes you're meditating on His Word and sometimes you are singing praise. Oh, what a wonderful variety of ways God's given us to be able to become more like Jesus. Let's make sure that we try to invest time in all of these ways. And it'll help us deal with our stress. Adam. Transition to number three. Guard your heart. How does God say that we need to manage stress in our lives? How about this one? Guard your heart. And Mike mentioned Mark chapter 6 a moment ago. Turn now to Mark chapter 7. And Jesus has a lot to say in Mark chapter 7 concerning the heart of man. I want you to think about stressful situations in your life and ask, how do you handle stressful situations? That is to say, when you are stressed, how do people know it? You know, people can know at times when I'm feeling stressed by the way that I behave myself and how I conduct myself. They'll say, you're stressed. (laughs) You're not acting yourself. You're acting differently. You're acting as if you're stressed. Well, Jesus says a lot about this in Mark chapter 7, talking about the heart. Now, the context is that the Pharisees have come and said, why do you not wash your hands according to the traditions of your, the, the elders? And so Jesus is addressing uh, you know, outward washing, but he uses this as an opportunity to teach something about what's on the inside. In verse 14, he called the multitude to himself and he said to them, hear me, everyone, and understand. I like that phrase. Listen to me and understand what I'm about to tell you. This is important. There is nothing that enters a man from outside which can defile him, but the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile the man. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. When he had entered a house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. And he said to them, Are you thus without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from outside cannot defile him, because it does not enter his heart, but his stomach, and is eliminated, thus purifying all foods? And he said, what comes out of a man, that defiles a man. For from within, out of the heart of man, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within 
and defile a man. Look, you got some dirt on your fingers and you eat some food. He says, that's just going to go into your stomach and your body eventually is going to eliminate that. But he says, you need to be more concerned that from what is, what is within you that is going to make its way out of you. And so I ask again, how do we handle our stress? How do people know that you're feeling stressed? Is it short temper? Is it outburst of wrath? Is it sitting alone and crying? How does it display itself? We need to be careful about how we handle our stress and how it displays itself on the outside of us. When people are feeling stressed, they, see, they tend to lose control of their heart. When they're feeling stressed, they tend to lose control of their heart and they lose control of their emotions. And they start to do things like blame God. And they start to do things like lash out in anger. And they start to have evil thoughts. And that's what Jesus is condemning in Mark chapter 7. And so what do I do? How do I guard my heart? How do I keep this from displaying itself when I'm feeling stressed? There are many things that we could say here. But I think the familiar words of the Apostle Paul are some of the greatest pieces of advice that we could have here. In Philippians chapter 4, you know these words, right? Turn over there and read them again in Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse number 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. That's how you guard your heart. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of, catch it, peace will be with you. You see peace, the God of peace, the peace of God in verse number 7, and then you see the God of peace at the end of verse number 9. Stress often is a time of complete unrest, a time where we do not feel any peace. Meditate on these things. That's what Paul says. And you'll find your peace. That's how we guard our heart. That's how we guard the seat of our emotions. We think on these things. And it leads us to be at peace with ourselves and ultimately with God. The fourth principle from God's Word has to do with living each day purposefully and intentionally. Living each day purposefully and intentionally. Philippians 1.21, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. I don't know if Paul got up every morning and began his morning with those words to himself, but I believe that he lived every day like that, don't you? And so think about it that we so want to love and live for Jesus that every day will be a day of purpose and intentionality in our lives. Just as we looked at three words in the last point that I covered, purpose, quality, 
and variety in spending time with God? Open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2, 20 and 21. In this passage, Paul is talking about how that in a great house there are a variety of vessels, of household instruments, pots and pans and utensils, we would say. Some are gold, some are silver, some are wood, some are clay. But when it comes to utensils, two qualities are always necessary. When we're talking about household items, if we're using household items in a kitchen, we want them to be clean. And we want them to be useful. Isn't that right? We want these kitchen items to be clean and to be useful so that they can be properly used in food preparation, in life, in families coming together. Now, there's three expressions I want you to look at, all found in verse 21. We need to be clean and want to be useful to God. This idea of purpose and intentionality. Set apart. See that expression? You may have the word consecrated. Second expression Useful. Useful. Third expression, ready for every good work. So as we think about purpose and intention, intent, every day is a gift from God. It will contain opportunities and challenges. God, help me to be a clean and useful vessel set apart, useful to you, ready for every good work. This next one makes me chuckle. Remember your limits. What brings stress upon us? Well, sometimes we do it to ourselves, don't we? There are some things that are out of our control, and I, we understand that too, but there are some times when I am most stressed because I've done it to myself. Have you ever been there? You, you just don't know your limits, and you spread yourself thin, right? You spread yourself thin because you don't remember you have limits. Now, I'm reminded of a conversation that God had with Moses in Exodus chapters 3 and 4. And Moses really wasn't wanting to step up to the plate, so to speak, and he was offering God excuses as to why God had the wrong man for the job to go and deliver uh, his children out of bondage. And Moses did everything he could to to wiggle and squirm his way out uh, of that job. But he did assume the responsibility. God says, I'm going with you. I'm not leaving you by yourself. There's Aaron, your brother. He'll be your spokesman. You, you guys go in there and you're going to do it. You're going to lead my people out of bondage. And Moses does. To his everlasting credit. We, we, we talk about those chapters and, and the much as he wanted out of it, he did it. He went and he did it. And we need to give him all the credit in the world for doing so. And when he agreed to do it, when he stepped up to the plate, there was no looking back. Then I go over to Exodus chapter 18, and you can go over there with me. 
And you remember in Exodus chapter 18, he has now come out. He's led them out, and now they're in the wilderness, and they're wandering around. And now notice what's happening. He gets a visit from his father-in-law. Good father-in-laws are wonderful things. I have one, and I'm thankful for him. But here we find him coming to visit Moses, and he's just observing. He's just looking around. And notice what the Bible says. And you need to read this for yourself, and this, I hope, will help us to make this application in our lives. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 18 and verse 14, So when Moses, his father-in-law, saw all that he did for the people, he said, What is this thing you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have difficulty, they come to me, and I judge between one and another, and I make known the statutes of God and His laws. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, The thing that you do is not good. Why? Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out, for this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. (laughs) How we need people to come along and remind us that we're only human. That we have limits. That if you continue doing this, Moses, you're going to wear yourself out. You can't do it. You're just one man. It wasn't that his motives weren't pure. He was trying. People were coming to him and and they were having issues and they were wanting to ask God, how do I handle it? He was doing a really good thing. It's not that his motives were impure. It's just that he was wearing himself out. Listen, I don't question your motives. I don't question my motives. We're trying to do good things. We're trying to help people out. But we need to understand that there's only so much of us to go around. And we have to be willing to say, No, I can't do it. I'm stretched too thin. I just can't take that on right now. I just can't do it right now. I'm sorry. You're going to have to find someone else. That's not easy for us to do because we want to help. And pride sometimes pushes us to do that. But listen, you want less stress in your life? Don't stretch yourself too thin. Set your limits. Moses was told that and it was a good piece of advice. And we need to look into God's Word and know that we're only human. Listen, Even the Lord didn't try to do it by Himself. Even the Lord had men with Him to help Him in what He was doing. If Jesus couldn't do it by Himself, neither can I. And neither can you. We need to set limits in our lives. To be more like Jesus, that's exactly what we will do. And we'll have less stress, perhaps, if we do. Brother Mike. Been up there for a while. Cultivate greater gratitude. I'm glad that it was up there for a while because I'm not sure there's not a Christian anywhere who couldn't become more thankful. How about that? Forget not all of his benefits, Psalm 103, verse 2. Neither were they thankful, Romans 1 and verse 21, a characteristic in a catalog of sins from the Gentiles. Well, I wonder if we are not too much like the Gentiles and pagan in forgetting God's blessings. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians 5.18. 
It's a familiar passage to nearly all of you. Because you've got joy, rejoice evermore. You've got prayer, pray without ceasing. And then you have gratitude. I think that this is something of a holy trinity of blessings that we have as Christians. Joy, the ability to talk to God, and the ability to be thankful no matter what our circumstances. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5.18, and then I'll break the passage down. It says, giving thanks in all circumstances or things, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Break the passage down with me. Giving thanks. That is the admonition or the command. We ought to be living, breathing thank you cards. Think about that. So many people are really good at sending out thank you notes, and yet their life may not be a a living thank you card. Doesn't make sense, does it? So you have the admonition. Secondly, you have the time. In all circumstances... Now, the term isn't for all circumstances, but in all circumstances, we can give thanks. That the Lord has been so good to us up to this point, that the Lord will see us through these circumstances. But the idea of time, giving thanks in all circumstances. Third, the reason... For this is the will of God. For this is the will of God. For this is the will of God. Because it can make us more like Jesus. Because it can help us to spend more time with God. Because it can remind us of our limits. And because it can help us to become more thankful. Notice this fourthly. This is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. The realm, the sphere. In Christ Jesus. How thankful that we should be that we can face every circumstance in Christ Jesus. Because nothing in all the world is worse than being out of Christ Jesus. We've reached number seven. Told you there were seven and this is our final, final principle that we'd like to look at in God's way of handling and managing stress. Exercise. Exercise your body, exercise your mind, and exercise your soul. You go to the doctor and you say, I'm, I'm feeling stressed. I'm, I'm having troubles with this or that. And they will say what? Diet and exercise. Diet and exercise. 
It's hard to do one without the other and get anywhere. You really do need both if you're going to be in your best physical shape. For three and a half years, I was a package handler for FedEx. And I got a good workout five days a week for about five hours every morning from about three o'clock to eight o'clock in the morning. Uh, I got a good workout. And uh, physically, I was in pretty good shape. In fact, I look back at pictures, and I may have told you this, but I look back at pictures and I say, that's my FedEx body. That's my FedEx body. I, I remember that body. It didn't have any of this under the chin. It didn't have any of this around the waist. I was in pretty good shape. I was in pretty good shape. But I was stressed to the max. I was working five hours in the morning, going home, showering, and going about my day as I was preaching full-time, trying to do all of that, while being a husband and while being a father to two very young boys. And I was stressed to the max. You see, you can look okay on the outside and be dying and killing yourself on the inside. Exercise is not just physical. It's spiritual. And so I returned to where Mike was just a few moments ago in 1 Timothy chapter 4. And this is where I will conclude my thoughts and then Mike will wrap up for us this morning. But it is important for us to return. It's important for us to think about and consider again what Paul says here to this young preacher. And what he says to this Christian that we all need to learn from. And he reminds him there in 1 Timothy chapter 4, dropping down to verse number 6, If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise... Train yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for how many things? All things. Having promise of life that now is and of that which is to come. Exercise, train yourself toward godliness. Godliness is the key to reducing stress. Godliness is the key to living a spiritually fit life with less stress in it, or at least being less affected by it. Exercise yourself toward godliness. We have the ability, because of Jesus, to be right with God. Train yourself to live and walk and be more like Jesus. And you will see how to handle your stress. Exercise yourself toward godliness. It's key to living and managing stress in a God-honoring way as we have it in our lives. That's what this is all about. You know what Paul says? He says, you want to have a better life now? Exercise yourself toward godliness. And you know what you will have in the end? Listen, a better life that is to come. Brethren and friends, we're moving ourselves every day toward eternity. And the promise of God is that we can be right and we can be without stress in that life which is to come. You know in heaven, you know what there's none of? Stress. I want to go there. And we can be there if we'll regularly exercise our mind, our body, and soul. Stressed out, worn out, give out, I want out. I don't know about you, but the last several months have been some of the most stressful months in my entire life. How about y'all? 
And yet I can honestly say the inward man has been renewed. Sound familiar? The words of Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Stressful times will come. 2 Timothy 3, 1. Perilous times. We don't need to forget that in this world we'll have tribulation, but we can rejoice Christ has overcome. If you're stressed out and worn out and give out, listen to these words. Words from Jesus. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. You'll find rest to your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Isn't that a wonderful invitation? The invitation is to you and to me to come. Come in faith and repentance, confession and baptism. Put on Jesus. Be added to His church. And for those of us who are Christians, there may be times when we are overwhelmed with stress and burdened with anxiety. And that can be true of any of us. Perhaps you need the prayers of the church. We would be humbled and we would be happy to pray on your behalf. If we can help you in any way, won't you come as we stand and sing? I need every note that I can get to make the announcements. Um, we're thankful again to be here. We want to remember that on our way out, we will have an opportunity to give uh, in, in the trays there as we exit the auditorium. 
We rejoice that Cole Vest, uh, Cole had visited with us quite a bit before the, the virus situation came. Uh, he had been studying with Wayland Mayfield and obeyed the gospel this past week. We rejoice with Cole. Uh, wonderful, very uh, intensely thoughtful young man. Uh, we want to remember our, our sister Margaret Hedges. She's had surgery. She's still in a lot of pain, recovering. Uh, we'll have a follow-up again in Dallas with her doctor this, this next week. We want to remember also, and it's good to see Sister Vonda with us today, uh, please pray and continue to pray for Bill. Uh, Bill has had a persistent cough now for months, and they just can't quite figure it out. And we want to pray for him. He's on another round of antibiotics, uh, and after that, we'll go see the doctor again. Uh, Our heart goes out to to Sister Diane Powell. Uh, Jim is not doing well. Uh, The drainage tube that they put in last week was not successful. Uh, He is not doing well. He is back at Ashton Lodge. So we want to remember uh, Brother Jim, Diane, uh, Robin, and their whole family. Brother Ron Truex's nephew, uh, Jimmy Frederick, will have triple bypass surgery tomorrow here at Midland Memorial. We want to pray for him. And uh, Sister Dorothy Ivanhoe uh, is having AFib, and she's in, in the hospital as well. We want to pray for her uh, and, and the Ivanhoe family. Let's, let's, close, let's close now with a prayer. Our Heavenly Father, We are thankful that we can gather together as your children. Thank you, Father, that we can call you, we we can be called your children, and we can call you our Father. Father, many of us have needs in this life. Many of us have stress in many of the categories that were given this morning. But also many of us this morning hold in our hands the book that has the recipe for dealing with it. We're thankful, Father, that your son came to this earth and had the most stressful life perhaps of anyone we know, of anyone that ever lived, yet he did it without sin, and you provided help for him in time of need by having angels minister to him. And, Father, may we ever be mindful of the source that we need to use when we have that stress in our lives. Thank you, Father, for the gift of your Son and that we have been supplied with everything that we need. Father, we're mindful of of several who are sick. We We could mention many, and certainly, Father, we could pray without ceasing for the many who are ill, but we are mindful this time of Brother Bill Powers, who has been sick now on and off for quite a while and especially cannot get out at this time in our nation with the cough that he has. We pray, Father, for peace for him, for healing, for hope, and wisdom from those who will be administering his medical care. And Sister Vonda, as she is at his side. We pray, Father, for our brother Jim. And Father, it hurts me that we can't go see him, a man who made countless visits himself. But yet, may we visit with him 
in spirit. May we give his wife a hug. Let her know that we care. I pray that you would take care of this dear brother and his family. Father, we're mindful uh, and rejoice that little Tegan Marshall was added to the physical family here this past week. We rejoice with the Marshalls and the Wolf families. We pray for our sister Karen as well as she continues to carry her child, little Ellie. We pray, Father, for her health and her well-being, and may that little one be born happy and healthy and alert and active and strong and, and be brought up to be your servant. Please be with us, Lord, until we meet again. In Jesus' name, amen.